hey everybody and welcome back to Practice Makes Faithful. Today is season three, episode one. It is the new year, 2023, and we are pretty psyched about that. So my name is Ben Patterson. I'm joined by Paul Hugobart. Paul Hugobart, I yeah, I could consider myself an old pro at the podcast thing now. Right? I know, <laughs> three seasons in. The, in. the third season, so feel, yeah. uh, you know, season three, I feel seasoned. Yeah, not only I mean, three that, seasons, yeah. but like a full calendar year yeah. of doing this. That's right. And then we had the little pre-podcast, so really over yeah. a little bit before over a year. So it's uh, it's exciting. Yeah, it's good to have kind of a rhythm and a routine with it. That uh, I, hopefully, you know, as it's comfortable to us, feels good to you guys as well. Um, you know, it's it's definitely been a joy to do this. I think uh, hopefully enriching. I mean, we've heard that from so many folks here at the church when we're connected yeah. here at Grace Chapel yeah. that they listen to the podcast every week. That it helps them take the ideas and the, of the messages that we're in, you know, which if you're new to practice makes faithful, you know, that's what we do here is we take yeah. kind of the series that we're in and we start to flesh it out a little bit further. You know, as yeah. I uh, preach from Sunday to Sunday, there's always more material or further you can take that material. And so I'm thankful to get to do that for our folks here, but know as well, I mean, I hear from uh, some friends that listen in weekly around yeah. the country and others too. And so uh, just thankful that we get the opportunity to do this. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to add too. It, it is... It is really helpful, I think, for our congregation, but it is our hope that it would grow past that, too. So right. share that with your friends. We try to walk a balance of kind of discussing through what we talked about in the sermon, but then also just taking that a little bit further as yes. well and really applying that in our yeah, lives and such. Right. So we think it's, we, we hope that it would be something that your friends, your neighbors could listen yeah, to and absolutely. jump on board with. So please like it, share it, post it on your social medias. We always love to see that stuff. Yeah, yeah, we expect to see our listenership like quadruple this season, right? <laughs> yeah, Something yeah. Like that, it's year anyway. three. I mean, three yeah. is a it's a big number. So it is, it is. Yeah, it's a Jesus number Good right there. Coming threes. Yep. Well, Paul, how's your how's your break been? It's been a little bit since we've gotten together. Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a good break. Break. We did some uh, some traveling. Um, got to spend some time with family. So went up into the uh, the mountains of West Virginia, where cool. it is cold. You yeah. know, uh, colder than it was here. But of course, it was really cold here right before the break yeah. too. And so, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I felt like we kind of went from cold right into cold. And so it wasn't really that much of a transition, but. Uh, but yeah, it was good. I mean, uh, it's been good for the kids, for them to have a break from school. Mm-hmm. Um, got to help out with my oldest son's basketball practices. Some as kind of a you know as a former bas- basketball coach, uh, got to go help the the current coaches out some uh, over the break, and so enjoyed doing that. Kind of reconnection with that that uh, you know thing that has been meaningful to me in the past, but just you know because of time constraints can't do anymore. And so yeah. um, did, did a lot of that kind of stuff, and some awesome. some relaxing, some. You know, some downtime, really um, uh, trying to pull away from the kind of go-fast rhythms that we have <laughs> throughout the rest of the year. And then, of course, now we're just, we just jumped right back into that. I mean, there's, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it is so interesting. But it's good to have some rest between it. Yeah, 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 it is a really good thing. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, for sure. That's awesome. Yeah, I had a good time with some family, too. Went out to Myrtle Beach, saw them over New Year's, okay. but then uh, the really... I mean, it's a really exciting thing. After that, we got to go with our young adults group here at Grace Chapel mm-hmm. to the Passion Conference. And uh, that is just always such a great time. So, yeah. so encouraging, edifying yeah. in my faith. Yeah. So, yeah, you been, guys have done that how many years now? Was it at least five? 
Yeah, six, maybe? five. Yeah, I think yeah. I've been to six and yeah. uh, went solo the first yeah. time, kind of scoped it out, and like we got to bring a group there. So yeah. Yeah, it's just kind of grown from that point. So well, that, that is one of the cool of things I think of about being right here in the Atlanta area is the things that we get to go do that others are coming yeah. in from around the country to yeah. go do. And so yeah, that's that's super. Super cool. So 17, you said, yeah. this year. That's a great group. Yeah, man. It was really cool. Really so, cool. Excellent. Awesome. Well, with that, we're ready to dive into our series. Okay. So we're starting this new series called Clay. Uh, Clay, the subtitle, What is Shaping You? Or What's Shaping You, I should yeah. say. So, Paul, tell us, give us a little overview of this series, where we're headed. We're going to be in this for the whole month of January. Yeah, right? that's right. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, just give us a little bit of an overview on this guy. Yeah, so um, so in the new year, we always like like to begin the new year with with something that connects with a time of maybe refocusing. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. we all know at the new year, uh, so many of us make resolutions, <laughs> or and then there's something yeah. significant about about something new. I, you know, I think um, I think God marks days and weeks and months and years for a purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, because yesterday is not today and today will not be tomorrow and yeah. you know every morning is a fresh start you know we think about you know the the steadfast love of the lord you know being his mercies being new every morning i mean so there is this idea of newness and new things in scripture and even turning a page uh that i think is you know has some biblical significance and it has significance to us as human beings as well mm-hmm. our, our brains work that way well, why do they work that way probably because God designed us that way, you know, and so, you know, we see even from the very earliest, um, you know, people marking their, the numbers or the days of their lives in years, in a sense, yeah. you know, so we see, you know, Noah living over 600 years, that, uh, that guy Methuselah living for 960 plus years, and, you know, all these different people, we see that their ages, the ages of their lives recorded, or the, the years of their lives recorded, they, from very early on, marked their lives by the turning of the calendar year. And so I think it's significant for us as well, you know, whether we do that in our own birthdays or whether we just do that in the, by the years of the calendar. And so 2023, a new year, and especially coming out of some of the difficult years we have uh, lived in since 2020, really, for many of us, you know, where I think it's so interesting as we hear people talk about their lives before COVID. You know, it's like it's the new yeah. BC, yeah. you know? Um, so we hear people talk about their lives before COVID and how life was, for many people, in cruise control, even with, yes, some economic downturns and some hardships. And, you know, we hadn't had something like a pandemic that just uh, marked a space of time uh, across cultures, you know, for the entire globe. I mean, it didn't matter where you were we were all in that together to some degree, even though different countries handled things differently. And here in the United States, different states handled things differently. There was still a shared experience in that. And so, you know, now that we're starting to be removed from the hardship, particularly tied to the pandemic to some degree, I think people keep looking forward to the next year. Now, for some, that's it's been several hard years. You know, I had somebody here tell me, you know, 2020 was a tough year. Then 2021 was a tough year, and I was looking forward to 2022, hoping that it would be the new year where things were good, and it was a tough year too. And so now really turning the page again, hoping that at 2023, somehow things are different going forward. And that's the way that we, we often think. You know, whether we had a, a really good year, really difficult year, whatever, we've turned the page, right? Almost that we're starting a new chapter here in this new year, 2023. And so we, of course, we, we try to connect with that 
Um, I think just psychological reality here at Grace Chapel and many other churches do as well. We see that significance, and so we want to mark that significance along with every everyone else who's marking mm -hmm. the significance of the turning of the calendar year, yeah. the beginning of something new. And and for many people, uh, and we've seen that we saw we we saw that yesterday as you know real boost in our Sunday morning attendance. You yep. know, with people saying we want to give church a try again, maybe. Uh, being part of a church community was, was somebody's New Year's resolution. And so we try to begin with some very basic ideas, but ideas that really do connect with um, that question of what would something new and better look like in my life this mm -hmm. year? And of course, for us here, you know, as a church community, we're asking the question of, we're asking that question of God. Mm -hmm. What would something new and better look like in my life by what you say is new and better, God. Yeah. So, so we are beginning with this series called Clay, asking this question, what's shaping you? And making this acknowledgement at, at a very foundational level that we're all being shaped by something. In mm -hmm. fact, I heard somebody say that um, in the last several months, and you know, I keep these notes, uh, these folders um, in, in my notes on my phone. It connects on my phone, on my iPad, and it connects to my laptop as well so it's the shared folder that I populate with things as I'm thinking about a series ahead of time and so I'll write down little things that I hear as we go through um, and and that was something that I heard somebody say you know this acknowledgement we're all being shaped by something and I think that's very true uh, except it maybe falls short to some degree the reality is if we think it's much more complex than that um, it, it the truth is that many things are shaping us yeah Right, so um, you know, in in the sense, you know, what I said yesterday, or what I said in, in the message on Sunday, is that really, if we look at life, life is this constant process of being formed by our experiences, by the relationships we have, by the content we consume, by the people we identify with. I mean, all of that has this shaping effect uh, upon the person that we are, the person that we become. Sometimes we refer to that as our identity. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we as Christ followers, um, what should be central and core to our identity is that in the end, we are shaped by God. God is the one who shapes us. And so I, really, I think that's the hope of this series. Um, you know, we're gonna that's walk good. through that. We're gonna ask the question, you know, what is shaping you? Then we're gonna look at, you know, the, the next week, um, some of the most predominant worldviews and we talked about worldview a little bit last year at this time and, and so that there are many stories that shape us without necessarily putting some specific labels on some of those stories or some of those worldviews. And we'll do that the following week. So, of course, we'll be back here talking about that in the podcast. Um, then we'll be looking at what it looks like to begin to cut ties with the things that shape us so that God can really be the one that influences us mm -hmm. and shapes us so that the imprint, his imprint is upon us more than anything else. And I think the last week of, of the series, we'll be talking about looking forward, knowing that God shapes us. God shapes us through the influence of so many in our lives, uh, even in a positive way, and that we are supposed to then turn around and shape the lives of others as well. And so we'll talk about that, yeah, for, for sure, in the sense of the next generation, but also in peer-to-peer -peer ways. Uh, that is what the church community is supposed to be, a place where we shape each other for the glory of God in, in the mm -hmm. end. And so that's kind of a, a little preview of, uh, of, of this series. Awesome. 
So now let's bring it back to this week yeah. and just talk about specifically what, uh, where you went in the message this week. So yeah. I know, uh, but before you do that, yeah. I know we had some pretty cool stuff going on this yeah, Sunday. So neat. I want to paint a little bit of a picture of what was going on on the stage. Okay. Because while you were sharing the message, we had uh, someone at our church who is a artist yeah. uh, by the name of Carol Hale. Yeah. She was up there and she was doing a demonstration of making some pottery on stage. And we had yeah. like a full setup, like a little art studio kind of setup up there. It's really cool. So this yeah. whole time while you're sharing this message, she is molding, forming, making some clay. So. Yeah. Tell us kind of where you went in the message. You can just picture this scene in your mind, and if you want to really see it, you can go back and watch our live stream. Yeah, but that's right. Tell us, what were you talking about? Yeah, well, uh, as you said, it was a really neat experience uh, to be up there and, and actually have that happening live, this, this idea of um, a potter making something out of clay. You know, So you begin with this lump of clay, um, and really even before that, Carol began with, I think maybe kind of this really just dry substance that becomes yeah. clay when water is added to it, it becomes very moldable and shapeable. And in that, the course of the message, which was probably 30-ish, 32 minutes, yep. um, she crafted this beautiful piece of pottery, this work of art um, that, uh, that was really neat at the end of that. Um, she, she gifted that to me, which I'm, I'm super appreciative to have that and we'll have that as that memory, a memory of yeah. that for a long time. Uh, forward, um, but you know, we really wanted to try to create this experience because this this imagery that would have been so significant and familiar to people during you know what we often call Bible times, you know, and what we mean is you're in the times that the the Bible was written. So you know, we're going back to the days of Jesus, roughly two thousand years ago, and then even further into antiquity, sometimes two thousand years before that. Not for the case of this message so much, but. Um, you know, this, this is an imagery that is used throughout Scripture, actually quite frequently, mm -hmm. both in the Old and New Testaments, as, um, as imagery that, uh, that we can kind of adopt for ourselves. In the image sense. of the and, potter and the yeah, clay. Yeah, the potter and the clay. Yeah. Yes, for our relationship with God and, you know, us being the clay, God being the potter. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, so the message this past Sunday was really focused on trying to get an understanding of what clay is, what it looks like for clay to be shaped, how the potter works with that clay, and how that then uh, relates to our, ex our lived experience. You know, I think um, while we may not understand without that visual, which, which again we tried to create yesterday, or did create I think, um, while we may not understand that experience per se, or specifically, um, the, the reality is we still use a lot of language that shows that we understand that things, experiences, people, that life shapes us, that what happens in life shapes us. You know, I shared a few, uh, a few phrases um, in the message that I think illustrated that in some sense to say, you know, I mean, if you think about what people will say just when, the way, when people talk about things from time to time, I mean, you may have heard somebody say something like, you know, man, what happened that day really left a mark on her. Mm -hmm. We think about a mark, you know, what are we talking about with a mark? Or you might say, well, the, the imprint of that, that, that experience left upon me will be hard to erase. Or, you know, as a counselor, I've heard people talk about how, uh, you know, a, a certain therapeutic session, or it might've been, you know, eight weeks of therapy or whatever, 
was very transformative for them. It shaped them, you know, left them changed individuals, you know, and, and so we use this language. We, we get that. That imagery is still very much real for us. And so when we see that now happening, you know, live on stage for us, or if you can just picture maybe, um, maybe you've seen, you know, scenes in a movie, you know, of course everybody comes up and is like, uh, you know, uh, all I could think about was Ghost, uh, the movie Ghost. And you may not even seen the movie Ghost, Ben, as uh, familiar, I haven't seen your, your it. young millennial self. It. And I, I will have to admit, um, I have not seen the movie Ghost either. Um, although I have seen the scene that people uh, often throwing refer the millennials to under where the bus there's... You haven't seen it either. Yeah, I know, I know. I know. <laughs> well, uh, I haven't seen it because it just it, it looks dumb to me. So I just you know I have to be honest <laughs> that it just doesn't doesn't look like a good movie. But so many people say it is a good movie. So maybe I maybe I need to take a step back and, and see it. But but there is this scene where there's the shaping of this pottery uh, in that movie, and so. Uh, we did not try to recreate that scene on stage. Um, that would have been super awkward for those of you who have seen Ghost, obviously. Um, but we did try to create this image of being in a potter's house or yeah. in an artist's yeah. studio and this shaping happen, happening. And, and it actually connects directly with this biblical scene that we talked about um, on Sunday morning, this scene from Jeremiah uh, 18, 1 through 6. And just to set just a little bit of background, you know, Jeremiah was, was a prophet um, you know, who during the days of, of kind of the, the corruption of the nation of Judah, you know, the, the tribes of Israel or the two, the northern and the, the southern kingdom had split. Northern kingdom was uh, taken over earlier, kind of dispersed earlier. Judah was still a little more faithful for a time, but then went the way of Israel and mm -hmm. becoming uh, less faithful as time went by. And so God sent several prophets to speak into these nations to say, um, listen, I've called you to be my people, but you're not living like my people. You are, uh, you're selling your soul to idols. You're, you're uh, almost prostituting yourself, even as language used. But that's rough language to describe what, how God feels about what Israel is doing. And so um, over and over again, especially to Jeremiah, God has Jeremiah, um, he, he has him either visually be an object lesson or go and see what is an object lesson in some way, you know, to take this visual and put it with this reality of what's, what's actually happening um, as Judah becomes more and more faithless in its response to God. And so, um, so we read uh, from Jeremiah 18, 1 through 6. Um, I can read that real quickly. Um, this is what it says. It says, This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house and there I will give you my message. So, so I, want, I want you to go see this thing visually mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so that you can understand what, what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to give you my message once you make this visual connection. Okay. Yep. So Jeremiah says he went down to the potter's house, saw the potter working at the wheel. And then verse 4 he says, but the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So it was actually we had this kind of neat moment yesterday where, uh, where Carol, as she was shaping, had this moment where uh, she accidentally bumped the pot that she was shaping and it kind of deformed for a little bit and she had to come back and work it back mm -hmm. into shape. And so we had this moment where there was a pot that was marred a little bit in the hands of the potter. The potter formed it into another pot, took it, reformed it. Um, and then Jeremiah says, or God says, shaping as it seemed best to him. And he said, at that point in time, then the word of the Lord, as I was watching these things, the word of the Lord came to me and he said, can I not do with you, Israel? As this potter does, declare the Lord, declares the Lord, like clay in the hand of the potter, so you are in my hand, 
Israel. And so God was saying, look, I, I am the potter. Yeah. Both yeah. over you as a nation, but I think it's true for us individuals as well because we see that, you know, Isaiah talks about this in Isaiah 64 as well. It says, you know, God, you're our father. We are clay, basically. You're the potter. So, you know, shape us. You have the right to shape us. That's where we should be as your people is, is asking for this shaping. And Isaiah, actually in Isaiah 64, he speaks this pottery language, this clay becoming pottery language, um, out of basically a confession of how far the, the, nation of, the nation of Judah has walked away from God, mm -hmm. saying, we've come so far away from you. We, we have become, you know, we, we know this passage, many of us who have read scripture, like one who's unclean, all of our righteous acts being like filthy rags, we shrivel up like a leaf and our sins sweep us away, basically saying you know, the things that we think are good, that we're set, sinking ourselves into, these things are, are worthless. They're like filthy rags before you. I mean, and that's true about all of us. You know, we, we think we're alive and vibrant in the things we're doing. We're reveling in life. And the reality of it is, is that, you know, just like a wind that comes in, you know, we're being swept away. Um, you know, so we need to come back to this place where instead of being at the place where no one calls on your name, that's verse 7 of mm -hmm. Isaiah 64, or strives to lay hold of you. Basically, no one's reaching for you, God. No one is calling on your name. Nobody's reaching for you. Um, we need to be at this place where we come back to God, see him as father where we acknowledge ourselves as the clay, him and the potter, and become again the work of his hands. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, that's, that's what we talked about uh, on Sunday, this idea that, that, you know, the best place that we can be as followers of Jesus is to submit ourselves as clay into the potter's <coughs> hand, to become really the work of his hands in there. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, as we were watching this, uh, clay be formed. We actually talked a little bit. You know, I had conversations with Carol, did some research myself to understand because, um, you know, just a confession here, I am no artist, man. <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't know the first thing about shaping pottery, so I had to learn a little bit uh, from her about, about what that was like. And so, you know, I mean, we could talk a little bit about that if, if you want, you know. It, yeah. So. Yeah. So, I mean, first off, I just think, as you read that Jeremiah passage, yeah. one thing that just stands out to me, I think it's so so powerful that God chose to communicate with Jeremiah in that way yeah. by using this image yes. that would resonate with him, that would connect yeah. with him. Because God could, could choose to communicate that in any way Absolutely. he chose to. He didn't need Jeremiah to go and have this visual object lesson, but he knew that that was going to resonate with him in some way yeah. that... that uh, God chose to use that. I just think, I think that's really powerful. Yeah, really I think powerful. that's a great point. I mean, maybe, you know, we could talk about just as a quick aside, you know, um, just a, a quick personal confession. You know, I, there was a time where I probably might have been a little uncomfortable just because of being raised in a pretty conservative church tradition with a, a super decorated stage, you yeah. know, and gotcha. a visual that was really, you know, that's going to distract from this conversation that centers around the Word of God. And, you know, what I have seen, the more that I have dug into Scripture, is how often God uses a visual and then brings words yeah. to support the visual. And the yeah. visual is actually the main lesson. Yeah. <laughs> or it's what generates the lesson. And then the words come to support what was just seen and witnessed with the eyes. And so... Um, the more I have seen that to be true in Scripture, 
the more I've become convinced is that God works not only through the words we speak, yeah, even yeah. if we just talk about on a Sunday morning and the way we do church on a Sunday morning and the way preaching often happens, God works not only through the words that we preach, but if we can create a visual link, um, and, and it's taken me a while to, to come to that place, um, but I'm thankful that we're, we're at a place where you know, people are very receptive to that and, and it does enhance uh, what we absorb when we are experiencing something with more than just our auditory senses, now our visual senses are engaged as well and we're seeing something happen. And uh, the imprint, we know this psychologically, the more your more senses are engaged, the imprint that that experience will leave upon our memories um, is, is more significant. It is deep, more deeply imprinted. You know, I mean, I can think of it's wild, you know, when I, when I used to walk into my grandparents' house, um, both my grandparents uh, here stateside have passed on um, several years ago now, and the house that they lived in, uh, they, they, haven't li they hadn't lived in that house for a number of years before that, but even as an adult would walk into that house and I would open up the pantry and it always smelled the same to me and it would take me back to memories of being a young child in there. Even when I was in my 30s, yeah, yeah. open that pantry. It has the same smell. Yeah. It's, you know, so we bring these other senses in, and, and God does that so often. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you think about even you know the people of Israel on days of sacrifice for them, there would have been the smell that went along with it. There would have been the sights, the sounds, uh, the words that were spoken. Yeah. All these senses engaged, and all of the imprint that that would have left upon them. Mm -hmm. um, you know how how that would have formed and shaped them. So mm -hmm. we're even talking about as we're thinking about uh, forming and shaping and God, letting God shape us, the importance of involving, yeah. even on a Sunday morning experience where we can sometimes be pretty structured and pretty white bread in the way we do Sunday mornings, mm -hmm. um, if we really want to see, to create experiences where God can shape us more fully, especially coming back to the imagery that He's already used, Man, what, what a powerful way to do that. So I'm just you know, yeah. thankful for uh, the talent pool we have here at Grace Chapel, the ability yeah. to be able oh, to do amen. that kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, and thankful that God has always engaged that way. Yeah. You know, like you said, with, powerful. with Jeremiah, go to the potter's house. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, but us on Sunday morning trying to say, we're going to bring the potter's house to you um, and, and show you what this looks like. And so, yeah, I mean, um, a lot of significance, not just in that imagery, but in the fact that God uses imagery over and over and over again, and often the weightiness of the lesson was connected directly with the imagery. So why, but well then why that imagery though? Why the yeah. potter and the clay? That's one that seems to be pretty, I mean certainly yeah. Isaiah and Jeremiah, um, but throughout scripture, like, it's a fairly common image yeah. that's used. I think, um, yeah. What, why? Why do you think that one? Well, I think there's several significance, several significances to it, and it, you know, I think one that it, it it creates an imagery in our mind that signifies the kind of relationship we have with God. You know, so we are clay. Well, what is clay? I mean, clay is this very basic foundational substance that a, a lot of the earth is made up of. You mm -hmm. know, I mean, we live here in Georgia, and I, we don't really have potter's clay. I don't think, but, um, you know, although my, my kids, when it was really muddy outside one time, they, they dug up some clay and they tried to make some things out of yeah. this clay and they watched it harden and it sure did. It hardened and it became, 
you know, fairly solid stuff. So here in Georgia, we, we know what clay is, and clay is a very, very common substance, mm-hmm. you know? And so um, sometimes God uses imagery in describing us that we may not at first find very flattering in that, um, you know, to be, you know, hey, you're dirt, you're clay. Yeah. <laughs> but you think beyond that about clay, um, especially clay in the potter's hands, Clay does not have the ability in and of itself to make anything of itself. It needs a potter, you know, or anything of significance. Clay cannot be anything but clay until the potter takes over and turns that clay into something else entirely. Mm-hmm. So the potter sits there and shapes and molds, and what was once a very common substance now becomes something else entirely. Yeah, you know. So I think there's a real significance in that. So. Um, the potter is making something both. We talked about this in our small group um, this past weekend as we were thinking through these same ideas. Um, you know, clay, as the potter is shaping clay, it becomes something that, um, that now fulfills a purpose where clay before would have been just something that we would have walked on and stepped on and it would, it would just be dirt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But now clay becomes this vessel that can carry something that is life-saving, like mm-hmm. water. You know, so you could carry around a clay jar or store your water, and especially in a place, I mean, an arid place like Israel, where the rains came sporadically, and when you had rain, you stored that rain. Or if you had to go all the way down to a well to get water from that well, or go down to the river to get water from the river, or wherever it happened to be, you're coming and storing that place. So it now takes on this function that can become life-saving for the sake of all those who are maybe in that town or that household or whatever it is. And so what was a super common substance now takes on this entirely uh, different significance and value. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's the first, you know, purpose, use, yeah. utility. Yeah. Um, the second though, <coughs> it, it goes beyond that. When you think about, I mean, <clears throat> the pottery that we have found from ancient times some of it very well preserved still, amazingly, um, is often so beautifully decorated. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it shows the touches of the artist. Now, even stuff that was used for utility, you know, these big clay vats that held wine or water or whatever it happened to be, you know, that, you know, Jesus even references, you know, his first miracle at Cana, he takes water that was in these giant clay jars mm-hmm. and turns it to wine. Um, even those may have been beautifully decorated Mm -hmm. and had an artist's touch to them to some degree. And we think about what Paul, the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter two about we being God's poema is the word he uses there. We translate that poem. It has a broader um, meaning than just poem or being poetic in the way we would think. It, It really means, you know, the NIV I think translates it masterpiece and other translations, translations work of art. Mm-hmm. And so to think about, we're not just something that God is molding so that it has a utility and a purpose. Yes, that's very true. But God is molding and shaping us and then putting an artist's touch upon us as well. And so what we start with is this common substance, substance clay. What we become is something else entirely different, mm-hmm. something that fulfills the, the purpose and the wish of the, the master, of the, the artist, of the, the potter, and something that then becomes beautiful even beyond that. So utility, beauty, purpose, and beauty all together out of this very common, common substance. 
You know, and God will often use imagery like that, that maybe at first we would look at and say is not all that flattering. I mean, for us to be called sheep and him being the shepherd, sheep are not the brightest of animals. Yeah. yeah. You know, and so sometimes that's not real flattering either initially. But when we start to see what God does with what is common, mm-hmm. what he can make out of something that is so common, you know, I think that has, uh, there's a lot of significance in that imagery. Okay, let's go. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, no, I was going to say, you uh, You also shared yesterday a little bit about the stages of clay. Yes. And talked about like these three stages of clay and that resonated with, or I guess four stages of clay. Yeah. And that kind of resonated with me and I thought those stages may also um, put some extra value on this yeah. image of the potter and the clay that really help with that. Yeah, so we can walk through that real quick. I think I think maybe that that is probably part of the significance too. I, you know, the, the reality of this process of forming clay into something uh, entirely new, this vessel that um, will now be a jar or a you know it could be yeah. um, you know it could be a, a vase or something like that. You know, whatever it happens to be that the potter is forming, um, this. This is a process that is thousands of years old mm-hmm. and hasn't really changed much mm-hmm. in thousands of years. Now, Carol, who was on stage, had a, a potter's wheel that she could plug in and yeah. <laughs> you know, and control <laughs> with, with the you know, buttons where a potter before, I think, would have used foot pedals is what, what yeah. I'd seen as I was researching, uh, most likely. And so uh, control the speed in a little bit different way, but the process is essentially the same. Mm-hmm. And certainly the, the stages that that clay goes through in its transformation into what it's becoming, those, those, are, those, those have been the same for thousands of years. And so uh, the names that we put on them, are, I'm, I'm sure, are a little bit different. Um, but you know, here, here are some of the stages that clay's, clay goes through. When, when water is first added to clay and it begins to take on this, this substance of what you would imagine clay might be, um, it, it moves into this uh, phase called plastic, or it's, you know, it's a plasticity stage where um, we, we had a bag full of this clay, uh, this plastic clay, and it has to stay in a plastic bag, Ziploc bag, mm-hmm. so that uh, the moisture does not start to be sucked out of that clay by the dry air around it. As mm-hmm. soon as you take it out of that bag, it begins to, to, to harden. Uh, it begins a process where its ability to be shaped starts to go away, but when it's in the plastic phase, which lasts for a little bit of time as the potter is forming it after it's taken out of that bag and the water has been added, um, man, it is super malleable. Yeah, I mean, You can make just about any shape you want out of that thing um, because it is just so malleable. In that bag, I mean, I was pushing on it on stage and you just see every push I did left an imprint mm-hmm. and a mark mm-hmm. and was able to squish it, form it into whatever I wanted to be. I was a little afraid that I was going to break the bag at one point in time and it was all going to go on our, on our brand new carpet. But, uh, you know, but it, it can be shaped into anything. Now, as the potter takes it out of that bag, puts it on the wheel, starts to shape it some, um, there, are, there are several different phases it will go through when it's on the wheel. Mm-hmm. The first is this stage of you know, being in this soft leather hard stage. Uh, leather hard is used to describe kind of the texture that it takes on. When you think about leather, leather is very bendable still typically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we make clothes out of leather. We make you know, saddles for, for horses out of leather, boots out of leather. It is a mold, you know, it, it's, a, it's a bendable material still at that point in time. So the clay does that in the potter's hands is still bendable. It's very shapeable as it starts to take on this soft leather hard stage. Mm-hmm. That is when the potter is normally shaping it into 
the, the actual structural shape that it will have. So in the plastic stage, things start to be formed. The air starts to interact with it. Um, some of the moisture starts to come out of it. It moves into the soft leather hard mm -hmm. stage. It starts to be, you know, you, now you can start to see, okay, this is, this is a vase. This is a pot. This is a drinking vessel. This is a plate that's being formed. Whatever it's being formed, you can mm -hmm. start to mm -hmm. tell in that soft leather hard stage, it really takes on its form. Then you move into the stiff leather hard phase, which some call the hard cheese phase, which mm -hmm. you know, is to think about, you know, I mean, what is, what is a block of cheese like? Well, I, I guess you can't really bend that into what you want it to be. It would probably break, it would crack. And um, in the stiff leather hard stage, that starts to be true as well about the clay. It is a stage where if you try to form it, if you try to give that clay another shape, it would no longer really take a new shape. Mm -hmm. not without the addition of water and backing up a yeah. stage. Yeah. Um, but what you can do is you can start to add some of those pretty details into it. And Carol mm -hmm. did that. She mm -hmm. was adding ridges into it a little bit and added a line around it. You know, was able to use some of her carving tools to put some ornate fashionings mm -hmm. into mm -hmm. it. Um, and, and that is kind of the stiff leather hard stage. Then from there, you work to intentionally dry it out. You, you, you let the air dry it out. It moves into the greenware stage or the bone dry stage. Now, what's interesting about all of these stages so far, and this may have really connected with what Jeremiah saw as the pot was marred in the potter's hands. Yeah, yeah. At any point in time, if you don't like what you've got, you add some water to it and you can take that clay, you can make it back into a lump. Yeah. So even in the bone dry stage, if all of a sudden, you go all the way through, you let it dry all the way. That dry pot that looks mostly finished, mm -hmm. because it has not yet been fired, mm -hmm. it can be transformed right back into a lump of clay and you can make something entirely new out of it, mm -hmm. entirely different. So you could take a vase and make a, uh, you know, make a plate out of it. You could do yeah. whatever you want to um, at that point as the potter. Um, now, once you move to this next stage, which there are more stages still beyond this, but uh, for our purposes, this is what we talked about and where we landed. You know, once you move beyond this stage, you move to the fired stage or the bisque stage is a, a name that that gets, um, where you expose it to very high heat. I mean, just shy of a thousand degrees. And now that clay is formed, it's set, okay? So, um, you know, that is uh, certainly from there, there's some real imagery I think that we could draw between the way yeah. A, a pot is formed in the way that we as people are formed as well. Well, I know you, you dig some of that and you kind of took taking your counseling psychology perspective and kind of layered on some of these stages of human development onto that. So would you tell us, kind of walk us through that? Yeah, yeah I mean, we weren't able to get into this in a whole lot of detail just for the time's sake of a Sunday morning uh, preaching window. And we won't be able to hear as much as well, but you know, you can look this up, you can Google it and see, you know, I mean, we just talked about a stage of development as childhood, you know. Um, you know, and childhood is made up of infancy and being a toddler, um, you know, and then moving beyond that as well. Um, you know, there's it's much more complex than what we're able to, to really discuss, but uh, I think we could really say, if we just want to compare this to the stages that clay goes through, is, is that people are formed in this, there's a very plastic stage in human development as mm -hmm. well. And maybe it could span all the way from childhood into maybe early adolescence. Mm -hmm. um, although there are those who say that personality, worldview, and other things 
in many state, many cases, for all intents and purposes, are somewhat formed by age seven. And so, you know, how long does the plastic stage for human beings really last? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not all that long, but maybe we could say into early adolescence, some will say, you know, 11 or 12 even. Um, and we see that true even in, in um, you know, when, when people who will become Christians, the point into the, the stage in life at which people are most likely to become Christians is before age 13. So through about 12, you know, and then beyond that, it becomes more and more difficult for people to change, especially things like their basic and fundamental worldviews. Now, people will. We know that's true. There, are, there continue to be people that give their lives to Christ and, and have these radical transformations after age 13. There are people that walk away from Christ after age 13 and beyond. So we know that's true. It just becomes much more difficult as we go. And so the really formative years are the early years. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's so much research that, that even now goes to, to show what happens in utero, you know, and, and the way that that baby will become used to their mother's voice, will even start to recognize their father's voice, that even a hand on, you know, the belly somehow can convey some sort of touch uh, to that child, that there are things that, that we believe are being understood uh, even before that child is born, or maybe you've understood at least familiarity being created. Um, you know, then certainly, you know, the bonding that takes place between mother and child and all these things, and, and actually um, difficulties that can emerge when proper bonding does not take place. Um, you know, separation anxieties that people can learn yeah, very early yeah. on. And so when things don't happen in their proper way, when those formative years, when the imprint that is left is not a good one mm-hmm. in that very plastic mm-hmm. stage, what that can, uh, what that can mean for, for the rest of life. I mean, patterns that are, that are set that are hard to undo from here on yeah. forward. And yeah. so um, not that it can't happen, and I've seen it happen. And I think sometimes we're too quick to say, you know, well, this happened when somebody was young, and so that's, that's the way they'll be forever. Yeah. Um, that, that's part of the reason why we're doing this series, Clay, with the acknowledgement that whatever has happened to this point... The clay can still be reformed. The clay can right? be reformed. Yeah. It just become, you know, it becomes more difficult as we go. And so, you know, talk about maybe that... Well, this, I think... Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say how crucial that plastic stage oh, is crucial. and mapping that on to childhood, adolescence. That's why we spend so much energy like, as a church family yes. in pouring into youth and children's ministry. Yes. I mean, that's one of my passions in working in youth ministry. Yes. It's such a critical time in a yes. young person's life, in their faith journey, right? So yes. I think that is, that's why we pour so much energy into that, yeah. so much passion about that. I am so that. grateful for the way that we, um, we seek to surround our young people with adult influences yeah, yeah. that are positive and formative on so many levels, whether it be small group leaders or mentors of other kinds. I mean, it's just, it, it, I do think that we have accepted the reality of the responsibility mm-hmm. um, that comes with this knowledge of the amount of shaping and forming that's done very early on. And so I think that's super healthy. And, you know, and as parents, uh, that, that should be something that, um, that we grab a hold of and we say, okay, yeah, I get it. I may be really tired some days, but I'm shaping my children. I may yeah. be having a bad day, but I'm shaping my children. And I, that's something I have to wrestle with as a father um, quite often myself. And, you know, so that what we pour in early uh, really matters, yeah. the shape that things take yeah. on. So 
because things become harder to mold as you go, yeah, yeah. especially we as people. We as mm -hmm. people become harder to mold. You know, mm -hmm. it's a, it's a, you know, you saw Carol on stage several times as she was almost kneading this clay and she would take it and just smack it down, yeah, you know, yeah. and get it reformed so she could start to shape it again. Um, you know, that's probably not the best parallel to how we should reshape people, you know, <laughs> um, but, uh, but, we do see, I mean, and as she yeah, would take yeah. water and add it back into it, she was able to reform it more easily. And I think mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the reality of it is um, we as people, especially as we grow older, even into young adulthood, we might compare that to the soft leather hard stage and maybe adulthood, the rest of adulthood as the, you know, the stiff leather hard stage, that hard cheese stage. And, mm -hmm. and, and I don't know that we ever go through... Um, you know, maybe we get to that more rigid greenware stage, but I don't know that we ever as people, um, before passing through, you know, I mean, the, the imagery of the fire, that yeah, God will yeah, I really like that. move that all this through fire at some point yeah. in time, and that's gonna be the final purifying fire, mm -hmm, in a mm -hmm. sense, that burns away all sin and all unrighteousness, and we come through that fire as the final work that God was yeah. looking to bring yeah. us through. But the reality is that God is still going to continue to shape us this side of eternity uh, over and over again, even as we become stiff leather hard sometimes, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. as we think we're really taking on this form. And, and yes, you know, sometimes, again, I said maybe the smackdown idea is not the best imagery, but man, I can think back through my life um, as an adult in particular, when did God form and shape me most? Or how did God form and shape me most? It was out of my moments of deepest brokenness. Yeah, yeah. So I was broken, and what was broken had to be reformed. Mm -hmm. And the brokenness was very difficult. It was very hard. It, it was, um, I mean, how does it feel to be broken as a human being or recognize our brokenness as a human being or walk through a season of despair or walk through a season of loss, whatever that happens to be. But it's amazing what God can do when we come broken before him again and he starts to shape and reform and the growth that happens out of that. You know, we, we know this psychologically that growth, growth happens paired with adversity more often than not. You don't grow when you're not being challenged. You don't grow when things aren't difficult, but it's when something is difficult and through that difficulty, a way is found to overcome that now you have grown to a whole new level. And the same is true with uh, the way that we engage with, with God. He uses, whether he causes or not, that, that's, you know, we can debate some of that, but we, what we cannot debate is that God uses those moments of brokenness in our lives to take our stiff, rigid selves and mold us into something better. And in the process adds the water back in and whatever he needs to do and he uses his hands. So again, we are again the work of his hands more shaped by him. And so, yeah, I think there's a real parallel between the way we as people are shaped, the way that clay is shaped. And so we see very plainly why God used that imagery. Yeah, um, that's good. You know, and, and, you know, then we acknowledge as well, too, I mean, we're all being shaped by something. Yeah. Um, many things are, being, are, are having a shaping influence upon us. Um, and they're all going to craft us into something that we become, or maybe already are to some degree. Um, and so maybe the, really the question out of that is who, who do we really want to be shaped by? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, who do we want to be shaped by? And so 
Um, you know, that's, that is the question that we're asking this month is, what is shaping you? Because often we don't think, Ben, and that's the fear that I have for many of us, and myself included sometimes, um, as the relationships that we have, as uh, the experiences that we walk through, as the material, you know, all the stuff that we consume, it has a shaping and forming effect within yeah. our lives. Yeah. And so often we proceed through those things as if we're not cognitively aware whatsoever mm. of the fact that we're being shaped and formed into something. Yeah. And we have a choice in that. Yeah. What is shaping us? You know, when you say that, I, I think of a, a challenge I heard in a podcast at one point was to like just go through and audit your like the voices that you're listening to of the and this goes from podcasts, TV shows, music, like especially this was centered on media yeah. and evaluate like how are these things shaping me? These yeah. different uh, these different voices that I'm hearing and listening yes. to. And it, it, that's not to say that the message in that is not necessarily to say, well, you need to get rid of anything that is different or opposing. That yeah, it, it's it can be good to listen to sure. some other voices, but to just assess like if the majority of everything yeah. of all of your media consumption is shaping you in a different direction mm -hmm. than you might want to become, you might need to reassess that. I agreed. Um, and what like how large of an influence are you allowing those things to have on your life? Yes. I'm yeah. probably getting getting ahead of myself. The no, stuff that uh, we'll be getting into more as we move forward. Um, so I'll stop there with that thought, and we'll, we might develop some of that more. No, I think I think that's I think that's fair. I mean, um, you know, when we think about, um, I've had people ask me about relationships, for example, mm -hmm. even their relationships, and. You know, should I be friends with people who are not Christians? Well, the answer to that is yes, of course, because how in the world are you going to help lead them to Christ yeah. uh, otherwise? You know, but you know, I think Paul's conversation with the, the church in Corinth, we can take and apply this. He wasn't specifically talking about necessarily friendships, but the idea of being unequally yoked, um, the question is this, are we influencing or are we being influenced? Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. So we have relationships with people who don't know Christ because we want to influence them. Now, if we get to the point where we are more influenced by the people we have relationships with that don't know Christ than we are influencing them, then we know we've got, we've got something, a reassessment yeah. we need to do. That's so um, the question, and we'll, we'll tackle that in, in the fourth, uh, fourth session of this series or the fourth uh, cool. podcast episode of the series more, but the question in the end with that uh, comes down to impact and influence and the way that God wants to influence others through us, shape yeah. others through us. So, um, so yeah, all that, all that will be tied up in, in what we talk about this, uh, this month. Well, I'm excited for those conversations to come. I think it's going to be a really fruitful conversation over this month. And I think this has been really helpful in setting the stage for this. But I guess the question to land on it out of it is how do we practice what we've just learned? What we've just talked about, like, what do, what, do we, what do we do out of this? Yeah, so I want to be really specific on this and not give... Um, we've got a great resource and a tool that we're providing this month to help mm -hmm. people walk through this journey. And, and we're only several days into it right now. I mean, we began on Saturday, so then we had Sunday. Today is Monday for us. When the podcast releases, it will be Wednesday. So we'll be, what, five, six days, five days in at that point in time. But that doesn't mean that somebody couldn't jump in. So what I'm talking about is this 21-day prayer journey 
uh, prayer and fasting journey that is meant really to be shaping and formative and really truly transformative um, as we think and we process these ideas um, through looking at Scripture and, and a different thought, a different devotional thought that leads you into a time of prayer each day and may call you to do some type of fasting along the way so mm -hmm. that you can really center your heart on these things. And so uh, Rob Shaver, who's our discipleship minister, he and I together wrote uh, this 21 day uh, of prayer. I did the daily thoughts and he did the weekly, uh, kind of the weekly summaries leading into so that we can kind of get our mind straight, plus um, an introduction and a, uh, a next step section he did as well for us. And so I think a really, really well done prayer guide that will help shape, Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I use that word shape. Um, yeah, that will help yeah. shape this journey yeah as we're on a journey of being shaped. And so, um, so I, I would invite everybody, how can we practice this? Jump in with us on this 21 days of prayer and fasting. And there's multiple different places where people could go and find that if they're looking for that prayer guide, uh, including some tips, some thoughts on, on fasting and how we can fast. And I can just you know, share just a few things. You know, if you've never fasted before, um, don't try to jump into this you know, with, with both feet in the sense that um, you may you may find out you jumped into something that that you weren't prepared for. You know, some people think I'm going to go whole hog on on this kind of thing, and, and that that can sometimes be dangerous because fasting is not an easy practice. So you yeah. know, start small yeah. and big is what we've often been counseled, even as we've been learning how to pray and fast more faithfully. And so um, you know, we've got several different options. We shared some of them that don't have anything to do with food, but just have to do with giving up something. You may say, "Man, I'm so influenced by media." I'm cutting out media, social media, maybe even television, whatever it happens to be, I'm cutting that out for uh, 21 days to pray and fast and, and to be able to focus my mind more on God. Or it may be it is food. And so maybe you say, I'm gonna give up one meal per day mm -hmm. to pray and fast during that time. Or I'm gonna do what's called a daylight fast. I'm not gonna eat during the daylight hours, mm -hmm. basically. So the only meal that I'll eat daily is then dinner, which is you know fast that a number of us do around here. <clears throat> and so basically you're breaking your fast every day and then rebeginning that fast mm -hmm, mm -hmm. every day for 21 days. Um, and some people are doing more extended fasts even than that where they're um, doing a few days of fasting on and then a couple days of fasting off, that kind of thing. So there are multiple different ways that you can do this. You can also do like a certain dietary, certain like dietary things. Daniel fast That's or some right. will do like a vegetarian type diet or yep. giving up a certain item, give up sweets or Correct. give up coffee. Give or up coffee, yeah. Stuff like that as well. Yeah, the idea is to, again, to give up something that, so there is a sacrifice in this, um, but also give up something that in the end illuminates once again how dependent we are upon yeah. God for everything we have. And then so paired with really this theme and the, the prayer and fasting guide, I mean, it's, this is, uh, that's the one thing that I'd like to call people into. Now, somebody may be listening and come up with something different, that's fine. Um, but if we can lead and call somebody into something, it would be, I think, this 21 days of prayer and fasting along with us. And the reality is if you're not connected with Grace Chapel, you could start this uh, from this moment when you hear this. Yeah. You don't have to do this on our schedule. Uh, this will be available for you to download both on our website. If you yeah, right now if you go to our website, yeah. it's the homepage. It is. It's the homepage. You'll go straight to that. Download that prayer guide and right. uh, get some information about fasting and some different ideas yep. around that. Yep, GraceChapelChurch.com. Yeah. Uh, so you know, I'd we say, can link that in the yeah, podcast. We can link too. that in the podcast notes. I'd say that's 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 the thing that I'd call people into. Um, that's great. Make this a month where where God has the opportunity to shape and truly reform what needs to be reformed and transformed. I love that. That's awesome. 
Well, that's great, Paul. I'm looking forward to diving more into this conversation. We'll be back next week, next Wednesday, for part two of this conversation. Yeah. But until then, thank you all so much for joining us, and uh, look forward to hearing from you.